Hello and welcome to Cruisin' for Reviewsin, the podcast where I get a friend to watch a Tom Cruise movie they've never seen before and then review it with me. I'm your host, Cara Westworth, and I'm rejoined by Bart to discuss part two of Taps. Hi, can't wait. It's been a whole big long week. Oh, I don't even want to talk about it. What a week from hell. What a time. Actually, with everything that's going on at the moment, it could actually be a week from hell between me releasing these episodes. I don't, yeah, I don't want to think about that. <laughs> Let's not worry about that. Forget, <laughs> yeah. it, forget I said it. <laughs> so really would urge you to listen to the first half of our review of TAPS because you're not going to know what's going on and that would be strange. Um, yeah, so go have a listen to that. We won't rehash what's happened so far. Where we did leave off though, because it has been a week for you guys, is that, what's his name? Morland has mm-hmm. asked the cadets if any of them would like to leave and they've all gone, nah, we're happy to stay. We believe in this and they've stayed and everyone's feeling real confident. You know, Morland got slapped by his dad and kind yeah. of proved a point to him in a way that, you know, he's doing the right thing. And yeah, that's where we left off. Lots of saluting as well. Oh, uh, just endless fucking saluting. Yeah. <laughs> and at this stage there was, it wasn't a full outfit change, but they'd added little khaki ponchos at this stage. Yes, because it was a, a bit, bit of a, yes. yeah. Bit of a foreshadowing in in the storm clouds brewing overhead, I think. Mm -hmm. And like I said when watching this movie, like if I hadn't have been ready to leave before now, which I would have been this moment it rained, I'd be like, ah, fuck this. This isn't isn't a fun summer jaunt. This is rainy and miserable now. Yeah, exactly. Gonna wear a poncho? Fuck that. Yeah. Like I'm wearing a poncho. I mean, I'd rather just be at home fucking lying on the couch watching whatever was popular in anyone. Was it He-Man? I think it would have been He-Man, although at one point the boys were watching MASH. So, but I guess they're military. Terry boys. Like. <laughs> I was thinking about that. They're watching MASH. I'm like, do you do anything that's not fucking military? Like, is that all they're drummed into them? And like, you may only consume media that portrays war. Yes. And yeah, like, they're not allowed to watch anything fun. They, yeah. Oh, no, wait. No, another war thing. Earlier on, when Morlan's walking through the barracks and he hears a weird noise and it's t- like the TV sound. So the little boys have a TV in their room and they're playing a country western, but it's like a shooting out between Native Americans and cowboys. So did just nothing but war consumed at all times. Yeah. And look, it, it is worth noting, I suppose, that, you know, this is an American film, obviously, about military life and we're at the stage where the boys are sort of, I think it even, it doesn't quite say the words Alamo, but there is a, a mention to like, you know, famous sort of holdouts, mm. um, not so much last stands, but uh, yeah, I, I think we were talking at one stage while watching it about the general saying like this land was built on blood. Oh, paid like, for by the blood. On by the blood. Thing. I'm like, oh, this is going to be interesting. It's like the blood of soldiers. And you're like, ah, oh, okay. I thought you were going to make reference to um to the your nation's great atrocities, but no. <laughs> No, just about stolen so. land from indigenous people. No, no, yeah. no. We're just gonna talk about soldiers. Okay, cool. And remember that uh, part where you said, like, did that poster in the war just say army? <laughs> <laughs> and just in case they forget where they are, what they live and breathe and eat. I've been at mother. I've been at army mother. <laughs> I've been at army mother. Yeah, I need that above. My bed, one of them's thinking, like, when I wake up in the f- morning, the first thing I want to see is those four sweet letters. Army, baby. <laughs> Just in case he has any non-army dreams. Yeah. This will quickly snap him back to reality. <laughs> but as he's going to sleep, just staring at the sign and going, falling yeah. asleep. Yeah. Yes, I also dreamt about Army last night. (laughs) (laughs) So we open this second half with an excellent bit where Tom Cruise is lifting weights for no other reason except to show how muscly he is as a Mm. 19-year-old boy. And he's a very muscly boy and he's a guy comes and asks if he has any grenades and he just kind of turns and glares at him while he's pumping iron. And that's just that. They just wanted to show off his sweet bod. Yeah, and that kid with the grenade never came back into the story either. So I think it was like that shower scene. They just, they saw what they had on their hands with Tom Cruise and is, is ripped 
bod and they were like, how can we get a few more scenes? They just wanted to show us hot buff boys. Yeah, yeah. Uh, Sad little boys and then hot buff boys. It was a strange <laughs> dynamic between the two. I mean, I'm fine with the hot buff boys part if it's Tom Cruise. Don't yeah. worry about it. 19 years old, I can't believe that's... Yeah. And also, I don't think I mentioned in the first half that Tom Cruise was never meant to be a main character. He was just playing a fairly small role and the director, I think it was the director, was really impressed with how good he was being in the, in the little role that he had that they actually bumped him up to mm. his major role. And apparently Tom Cruise refused at first, but then they convinced him and then he... Came one of the main characters, yeah. So who is he to refuse at this stage? Didn't you say he'd only he been must in like been, five minutes of a film? Yeah, I think that? maybe he was a bit like. Imagine you've never been in, like you've been in a tiny bit in a movie where you have one. One on one and a half lines, and then suddenly being a main like he maybe I think he maybe was just like oh what yeah. like a bit overwhelmed, but then well he dove in head first. He was really good in this. Yeah, as with like as we said in the first episode, Sean Penn was good in this as well. It was his mm. film debut, and he was so full of promise. And in this one, I think it it works well. Yeah, he has a, he has a really small mouth, so a tiny talk. mouth, <laughs> a real tiny mouth. <laughs> Uh, but I think it works for him. Yeah, because he was like yeah, the, trying to be the sensible child out of all this for the yeah, for a lot of it. So yeah, and I think at, at this stage as well, I think he says, uh, you know, he, he expresses his doubts to Morland about about their plan because let's face it, it's pretty batshit at this stage. Yeah, that's, uh, the that's only exactly. Thing, yeah, the only thing holding it together is Morland's supreme confidence in what they're trying to do, and that this strange belief that it's what the general would have wanted, who's like you know uh, shot that kid by accident and is now in hospital. So they're sort of doing it for the memory of him but mm. uh sean penn sort of says like i'm having doubts about this mission but i'll stick around because i'm your friend sort of thing yeah like that's literally the only reason why he's sticking around <laughs> he re- he's the yeah. only one who's a bit more logical and is saying this yeah. is what it is which is boys chucking a tantrum and yeah taking yeah. over school and yeah this misplaced sense of honor and trying to be a man i think in the um scene where his father came in he's like calls him sport or something oh he's like, calling him boy kid, yeah kid or boy or something he's like i'm not a, none of us are kids anymore or something like that and like, yeah, it's been like three hours. Kind of, you know, cool. Settle you down. Yeah. Come on. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. Like strutting around, like what's the like peacocking out the front does not make you a man. All of a sudden, like mm, sorry, yeah. sorry, my dudes. Like changing your outfits every fifteen minutes does not make you a man. Yeah, most men do not change their outfits every fifteen minutes. Um, or maybe they do in the army. I don't know. I don't know. But if that is the case, maybe I'm rethinking a life in the military. I didn't know there was this many. Yeah. I, I think Axl Rose changes less on on a, in a two hour <laughs> show than these guys did in like the space of a morning. Yeah, <laughs> just poncho on, poncho off. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, so when they're talking about their positions and then they're kind of having like a bit of a DNM about how they're feeling about this and that's what he says, like, I'm here because I'm your friend. That's why I haven't left when I had that chance because I nearly did. Uh, meanwhile, the National Guard arrives and if yeah. anyone wants to tell me what the National Guard are, I had a quick look and same with the word taps. I It didn't immediately explain it to me and I was like, ah. Because I, it would make sense that they're the the army for domestic stuff. But then I was reading it says and for international, like I think it is kind of like their version of the army reserves for us. So I think it is people who do military on the weekend. They play military on the weekend. But why does it seem like always when they say, "Oh, the national guards being brought in"? Why does that always seem so scary in I, things? I think because they have powers that the police don't have. Because you know, if the police, okay, so mean, they're like the step up from the, the time, police. Like you know, I'm pretty sure you could argue these days the police are more powerful and violent than than the National Guard. Especially in the America. <laughs> yeah, but in this movie and in this time and generally in Hollywood, the National Guard, I think it's just supposed to be a big mobilised force of people with guns. 
Yeah. I don't think they're... So that'd be like the step in between like the police and then the actual army coming in. I think so. I think National so, yeah. Guard sounds cooler than the army. Like it sounds, I don't know, it sounds much more, like more authority. I don't know. It sounds yeah. cooler than maybe what it is. I reckon they should all get a shield as well. That yeah. would be pretty That's cool. what I think. I think of like big shields and like where the yeah. National Guard. Yeah. Like big halberds and stuff. Yeah. But, uh, Unfortunately, that was just um, these guys, to their credit, the National Guardmen in this movie, they don't change their outfit once. No. So, yeah, if you're in the National Guard expecting to have uh, the black suit with the red sash, the gold epaulets, or the navy one that had the white sash, the purple one for when you go out into civilian land, apparently, the creamy beige one for the dance, you get none of that in the National Guard. <laughs> you get one uniform and you have to wash it yourself. I mean, National Guard sounds more like my, if I had to join, I never would. Like I've, I think I've said in this podcast before, I will chop my own leg off before I'll ever go into a war or anything. Like you, what's his name um, in, what's the one, fuck, what's the movie, Tomorrow Never Die, no, what's the one with Tom Cruise we watched for my birthday? Uh, oh, 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 the edge of edge, edge of tomorrow. tomorrow. Yeah. I would be like, so I get a really fancy position, but like, oh, you have to go into war. I'm like, oh, I absolutely do not mm. have to go into war. That would be me if I had to. I'd fudge my way into a position where I could look like I care, but then as soon as I had to go into war, I'm like, I'll chop my leg off. I'm sorry. I don't even think you need to go that far. Maybe just like break all your toes or something. Maybe like, oh, <laughs> like well, that's a, this is how it. much I don't want to be. Yeah. Like, I'll chop a leg off. I'll chop yeah. my whole foot off. You know, and they might be like, her foot might heal in six weeks, and then she can be in the next ra- wave of dead bodies to go into war. Not. Fair enough. Leg straight that is off. That is how much I did not want to go yeah. into war. But if uh, what, I had What to about d- just your foot, though? Are we going full leg? Are we going right up to the hip? Or My legs are pretty useless, but I've got some good tattoos in my legs. Um, well, you can keep the leg. You can mount the skin. <laughs> <laughs> you can mount the skin in a frame. That'll be yeah. nice. <laughs> Make a nice handbag out of it. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Maybe you can just chop a toe off. I don't know. I don't know what the rules are with the... I think you just need bone spurs, whatever that means, whatever that what? is. Oh. That's, well, that's what Donald Trump how he got out of service in Vietnam because oh, yeah. he had bone spurs, which I think is something that like everyone has. But if you're, you're rich, it's kind of like, it's something you can just say like, Oh, my bone spurs are acting up or something. Oh, I mean, they just have to look at my medical records and be like, absolutely not. Do not have her. This girl falls over every 15 minutes <laughs> yeah. and usually breaks something. <laughs> we setting off landmines left, right and center. <laughs> just, Tumbling constantly. So uh, no worries about that. But if I force had to, I think the National Guard would be the close, but I'd be very disappointed, lack of outfit changes. Because you could spend a lot of time getting out of stuff and like, "Mm, I've got to change my outfit though. Yeah. It would have to be. Got to find my hat. You'd have to be wearing like a special pair of undies or socks or something to to show your individuality. Like Mm. just flash a little bit of yellow sock every now and then. It's not regulation, but it's National Guard. We're a little bit more relaxed. Just tooth gems. Just (laughs) just flash it. Speaking of teeth gems. I don't think we covered in our first episode. One of the boys, strangely, has a big set of silver chompers. Notice when he was back on again, was it his actual teeth or was it really intense braces? It could have been really intense braces, but it looked he, he looked, looked like, like Jaws. He yeah. looked like Jaws. And he, I think he had like one line and he smiled. It was really noticeable. It's like, sorry, can we go back to uh, metal, metal Mouth over here? But maybe it was just really full on braces and the Hollywood camera didn't quite capture it. So with the National Guard there, they seem to be going for psychological warfare, I guess you'd say, because Mm. the first step is they start playing on loudspeakers, the parents begging their children to come home. So especially the younger boys who are all like getting a bit weepy and everything because they can hear their mum being like, you can come home and then I can give you kisses goodnight and like just, yeah, or sweet nothings at their mums. And like, unless you have a horrible mum, like I don't think many people would be able to resist like your mum being like, come on, that's good. I'll take you out to get ice cream today. Yeah. And maybe the horrible mum would work too. Like if you don't come out right now. <laughs> I've got my shoe yeah, lifted I'm up. come in there. 
so yeah, you see all the kids looking like a little bit distraught hearing their yeah. parents calling out to them. Um, is this when the colonel comes in as well? The head of the National Guard. He's the, he's the face, I guess, of the negotiations at this stage. Because it, no. it was all happening pretty fast at this stage. Yeah. No, okay. So what happens next? The character West. So that is uh, our mate from Sex and the City. Yeah. He, he's got hair in this one if yeah. you're picturing him at home. <laughs> yeah, a big full head of hair too. Oh, yeah, yeah. He sees a cadet like patrolling the outer wall and yes. asks what you're doing, what's he's doing. And he said, oh, I've been ordered to shoot anyone that comes over from either side or under, whatever, shoot, shoot to kill. And he's like, okay, well, we gave you that order. And it was Tom Cruise. So he doesn't, he's like, okay, back to it then. It was one of Tom Cruise's red berets. So yeah. he, he runs this little clique, uh, which I think was in an official capacity. Maybe they're like the most promising, or, but it seems like the most bloodthirsty. I think they're, they're the ones wear. who become the military cops or something, like yeah, the real yeah. shitty ones. Yeah. So he seems to command fierce loyalty amongst the red berets as his, his own you know, unit leader. Mm. So he's got them. He's got some of his boys patrolling and to shoot to kill if anyone tries to get in or out. Which West then goes over to Morland and like sort of tells him like that's not good. Like, what are we actually mm. doing here? Like he he's not saying he wants to leave or anything, but he's just saying I don't quite know what we're what point we're at and we've now got someone who seems to be real hot-headed ordering things that are really kind of fucked so yeah, yeah so we sort of see Morland take that information and do nothing with it and just like no because he defends him it's like yeah but who would you want to back you in a fight and he's like apart from the Hulk which is a character we see very briefly a very big man big boy he's like oh obviously Tom Cruise like he's really good but like yeah everyone seems to th- like this character just because he would be loyal and I don't know likes to bash people I don't know like that's and he likes D&D which uh, I'm <laughs> I don't want to spoil it for our listeners but that never comes back in we, <laughs> oh, we never get to see yeah. a riveting case of D&D yeah no it's <laughs> gone too far maybe if things had played out differently if the general hadn't shot that boy that night <laughs> then they could have you know gone home for the summer no, they had a rousing game of D&D yeah, after the dust off the old elf druid or something but it's not meant to be at this stage I'm afraid no so the next more so the next morning is when the colonel of the National Guard comes in right so right. because they've actually realized that a dozen or so cadets have fled overnight none from Tom Cruise's company yeah which he makes a point of he's very the other fucking cowards. smug yeah, yeah he's like fucking yelling and smug and yeah. so the uh, the colonel the commander of the National Guard who was colonel he tries to negotiate Morland obviously won't break back down he's being really stubborn the colonel's being super reasonable yeah, well. he was quite a likable character. He wasn't sugarcoating it. He was just saying this is not <laughs> this is not a good idea. This is like this is a bad idea, and things aren't going to get better. Yeah. Like at some point, we're going to be made to come in and take you by force, and we don't want that to happen. But that's what's going to happen if you don't back down. Yeah, he calls Morland a death lover. Yeah, uh, that he's in love with the idea of dying. That uh, we get was instilled into him by General Beige. Yeah, which I think was pretty cool like the colonel sort of you can see a look of fear in his eyes all of a sudden he was totally in command and also kind of sick of this shit as well he's yeah like, this is a terrible idea you're all kind of stupid but then when it clicks as to who he's dealing with in moorland here all of a sudden there was that look of reservation in his eyes like shit maybe me saying we're gonna have to come in there is what he wants yeah, like, yeah. he's not listening to any reasoning and he's kind of unable to yeah he still hasn't it's kind of given what they're what they're trying to accomplish here and they want to talk to the landlord or something yeah. <laughs> they want to 
They want to talk to whoever's buying the condos, I think. Yeah. Or whoever's making the condos. Maybe a, a whole group. Whoever's the landlord is, property developer is, whoever's planning to buy the condos. <laughs> get them all in a room because somehow young major cadet Moreland is going to talk them out of it. Yeah. Look, 141 years of history. You can't look at this nice building. You can't just knock it. Which I agree. Exactly. Don't knocking down nice buildings to build ugly condos is a bit of a bummer, but... No, what they just do like what they did at the wool sheds. That's they'll, what they should do. Yeah. Keep this beautiful military academy, but just like you know, hollow it out and put some. There's nothing bad's happened in except like an abundance of masturbation. Like as far from that, no one's died. It's not haunted or anything. It'd be a nice place to live, uh, except for all the cum everywhere. I suppose. Yeah, w- there would be. There would be. <laughs> I imagine. Yeah. Never just brought up sh- in the film, but <laughs> like, implied yeah, with all like, the testosterone like with and any uh, film in, set in a military academy or all boys school or something. There's gonna be a bit of come. <laughs> the colonel also says to him, like, you know, you're you're being really headstrong about this, but like eleven boys snuck out overnight. He's like, You you do realise that not everyone is is as into this as you are and what you think they are. So that makes Moreland go do Another one of the you know, gathers them all together and says, if anyone wants to leave, and half of the boys leave, like including West, who yeah. was like one of the, the lead boys doing all this. And he was just like, he tries to reason, like he tries to talk to him. And it's like, I'm really sorry, but I can't. And Mullins just like turns his head and like, no, I can't even look at you. You're dismissed. Yeah, yeah. Because they've been throwing out some salutes left, right and center in this film. They can't stop saluting. <laughs> even when he was arguing with his dad or just then when he was negotiating with the colonel, they throw themselves some crisp salutes. <laughs> but in this thing, when West is like, I'm leaving and gives him a salute, Morlin gives him that that little like, hand flick like yeah yeah all right i guess <laughs> if i have to so he, he'll still go with protocol but he's not happy at this no. stage and he's like losing yeah his allies in this which would be stressful but maybe it's because you're doing a dog shit thing mate yeah. my dude we have to stress at this stage as well they didn't come up with this plan as a crew this is all moreland it's all moreland and they're all just like yeah nice good yeah. one mate you're doing a yeah, good he, idea because the general said, if I'm not around, you're the next ranking officer. And that's just gone to Moreland's head straight mm. up. Which, like, you know, you feel bad for the guy. He wasn't allowed to cry for more than 15 minutes when his mum died. Maybe ever again. <laughs> um, you know, he's been sold this lie about honour from the crazy general. Who was presented as a nice guy. But the more I thought about it after the film, I'm like, yeah, he was actually kind of delusional i think yeah and probably like living vicariously through his or the boys who come through because he maybe he's been in lots of battles and everything but maybe he's not as you know maybe people don't like him as much as he thinks they should so he's like well i'll yeah, well, live vicariously through the dad said he doesn't have exactly have a stellar reputation amongst yeah. other military figures so yeah the next step they do in their little psychological warfare is they actually cut the water off so we see pierce having a shower and all soaped up and then the water just turns up and they're brushing their teeth like, what? Now, see, that shower scene actually at least made a bit of sense yes. to show that the water was being cut off, unlike the earlier shower scene, <laughs> which was just for Tom Cruise. Just hot buff boys yeah. <laughs> lathering up, yep. Yeah. Dwyer, I don't quite get what this scene was. So Dwyer starts sort of mucking around and is razzing them all up and pretending that he's a news reporter. Yeah. And I think, like, it almost seemed like he was drunk, but I think he was just, like, getting agitated and that's how mm. he was getting it out of his system. Yeah. I don't know. He he was, he was playing the part of the news reporter and the people he was reporting, yeah. saying, like, what do you think? Uh, are these boys brainwashed? Are they bloodthirsty? What not? So I think he was just trying to – I don't think he's he's the kind of character who had the the sort of 
confidence to stand up and say, hey, X, Y, and Z. So I think he was trying to tell them how he was feeling through a, a bit of a... He was Pantomime. trying to use the idea of a comedy skit yeah. to get his, uh, his message across, which we all know comedians. A lot of my good friends are comedians, and it's not a very good medium to convince anyone <laughs> of anything. And nothing serious, anyway. No, yeah. No. Well, he rises Morland up real bad, and they have a bit of a scuffle, which becomes a fist fight. So just endless scuffling and fist fight amongst these boys. As that's happening, the lights get turned off. So, and then they do the psychological warfare thing of bright lights and a really annoying noise being played mm. at them. and which, From a tank as well. Yeah. And just, the tank, yeah, they roll in that tank with the bright lights mm. on it, which I think at that point you can see some of the 10-year-olds being like, oh, I didn't know they were going to bring in a tank. <laughs> like, <laughs> I thought this was just like fun, but now it's like there's a tank yeah. at the gates and this sounds like shit, like literally sounds like shit. And when the tank goes up, it like rolls up like it's going to barge through and they're all kind of like, and then he just stops and then blasts noise and, and light at them all. And like, there's a couple of little kids like on the, I don't know what the position is when they're guarding. I don't know. Fuck, I don't know anything about no, <laughs> Neither. They're just when they're... On watch. Yeah, on watch, we'll yeah. say. Yeah, and they're like kind of shitting themselves a little bit. And uh, they're trying to fix the generator. There's this massive old generator down in the basement they're trying to fix so they have electricity and everything. Pierce is like pouring gasoline into it and they're like, all right, try it now. And then there's whew, goes up in flames. Gustavo it, Fring, like you've seen him before in Breaking Bad. <laughs> yeah. Okay, this scene was so jarring. I mean, obviously someone suddenly catching fire is shocking, but I just felt they were trying to go for uh, the sense of, of build up, like, you know, okay, They've uh, cut the water. Now they've cut the power. They've got the parents on loudspeaker. They're using the blinding lights. Like the boys are kind of already at breaking point here. I think it was just an overstep where it's like, and Pierce catches on fire badly too. <laughs> and like in a real great Hollywood way, he's like, ah, like Team America, like yeah. clearly a stunt man running around like, Whoa! just screaming high pitch. Yeah. 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 He's, he's obviously badly injured. At first I was like, is he dead? But then looks like he was just badly injured. Like they roll him out and they let an ambulance in so that they can take him off away. But yeah, so that. Never mentioned again. No. It's like at the gate, the colonel's like, yeah, you see where this is going? Like, <laughs> yeah, yeah. He's like, that's an accident. And like, wouldn't have happened if you weren't here. <laughs> yeah. my dude so he tries to reason with him some more Morland says that he there's only one person that he will take uh, an order from and it is the general and that's where the colonel's like oh yeah he died at six o'clock which terrible for a military man to say six o'clock so I'm like which six o'clock there's two of them I know I know yeah because the whole movie they're making a point of they say it all the time like oh, oh, 600, yeah. oh that oh that <laughs> so I suppose it's National Guard they're the weekend warriors as as, uh, as Tom Cruise said in that one so yeah oh yeah that's how we figured out because he says weekend warriors yeah. that's right I'm guessing it was like 6 p.m. the night before so you know he's obviously devastated because this is the person he was doing it for and now he's died mm. and he only found out because he, you know, I want the order to come from him because he thinks he's doing it for the greater good for the general. But uh, now he's dead. So, you, yeah, he's a, bit, a little bit lost now. So they have like a military memorial for the general. You know, it's all pomp and ceremony again, but there's only like 20 of them left at this mm. point. If that, I don't know. There wasn't too many left at this point. Um, Enough for a uniform change again. Yeah. <laughs> So they put on their outfits for the twenty-one gun salute, which was only five guns because yes. they'd run out of uh, <laughs> run out of people at this stage, but <laughs> not out of berets and uh, sashes. <laughs> now they're in abundance now because no one would have taken them when yeah. they bailed over the wall. <laughs> I, I'd have to watch it again, but I swear one boy was wearing two sashes. Just, just a array of sashes. Just, yeah, yeah. Why is that boy rustling so much? I found the sash. <laughs> he found the sash coming. <laughs> Sorry, uh, the, sorry, the sash, like, warehouse. Yeah. There's, a, there's a whole warehouse just for sashes. <laughs> That's the armory, and that even bigger building is the sash room. <laughs> yeah. 
Um, and the, the two youngest cadets are talking. One is absolutely shitting himself. Like the other one's a little bit more composed, but one of them is like, yeah, he's not in a good place. He's fucking scared shitless. So he's like saying, I, I think I want to leave. And it gets to a point where he just freaks out completely, jumps yeah. up, jumps over the, the sandbag thing they've got and goes to run and says, I, I surrender, I give up. But as he does, he drops his gun, which discharges, I guess because the National Guard aren't very good at their jobs. They take that accidental discharge as we better start shooting boys. Yeah. <laughs> Yeah, <laughs> they start shooting, and the boy who was running away—he's not shot because he's ch- climbing the fence at this point. But his little friend, who's tried run- running out after him, yeah, is the, the one little shot. Brooklyn kid who's always yeah. like, "Yeah, I can't wait to see my mom this summer or something." You're like, <laughs> I love this kid. Like, but yeah, he was, and he—he he was the one who was willing to tough it out as well. Like, yeah, it's gonna be okay, you know. We'll stick together. Um, but yeah, he runs out after his friend, and unfortunately, is instantly killed. Like yeah. shooting a. That's how the thing always annoyed me. It's like, all that's there really is a tank. Like, I'm sorry, the, the one bullet accidentally firing off is not going to do much to that tank. And so they shot it. And so that was, I don't, I think that was more on the National Guard than I think, you know, although all the poor decisions led to this situation. Totally. Yeah, yeah. That, that was National Guard probably being a bit too. I think, they, uh, yeah, tri- poor trigger discipline, I think. Yes, they, that's the uh, word. Yeah. Because, yeah, it wasn't just one shot. You heard a few going yeah. off. And bad marksmen as well, because of all those shots, only one of them managed to hit the kid. So. It's kind of like that reaction we see from cops in the US now where it's like a thing happens and they're like, oh, just, everyone shoot, everyone yeah, shoot, yeah. yeah, terrible. Yeah, it was a really hard scene, that one, to watch. Yeah, because it was actually kind of realistic and like they didn't do like a slow motion him. Like when he fell, he just went clunk and like his little head and his helmet hit the ground and just went clunk yeah. and then the kid was dead. And mm. yeah, it was sad. Like good yeah. that little boy convincing us that he was dead. Like good little actor. <laughs> yeah, yeah, good on you. Uh, yeah, cinematically there was a lot of good choices. Uh, I think the director and DOP and whoever made in this one. A lot of good lingering shots, which I'm a fan of. Sometimes they were a little dry and long, but there was also choices like you just said with the way that they showed the kid being shot as well. It could have been slow-mo platoon style. Yeah. No, but no, it was, uh, it was a bit like more Real sudden, but more sudden and like shocking. Yeah, yeah. So there's um, was a lot of good steps made in this film and a, a few strange ones too. <laughs> yeah. Uh, the colonel tells the cadets that they have until dawn. So, uh, O'Dawn 100, I think. O'Dawn 100. Yeah. <laughs> Making up for the six o'clock yeah, thing. Yeah, he's, he's just <laughs> overcompensating now as well. <laughs> Someone's like, you fucking said six o'clock, what the yeah, hell? Yeah. yeah, so they have now till dawn to surrender, otherwise they're just going to take over. And that means tanks, kids may die. Like, they've got a choice. If they surrender, they just have to, when dawn hits, they can come out and surrender and they'll, although he, where he words, it's kind of like, we'll do our best to protect you. And like, I don't know, more tanks going to start firing randomly at these children? Yeah, at this point it's escalated so wildly. Like, you figure, you know, with the psychological tactics and everything, they could just kind of starve the boys out because I think the boys are running out of food. They don't you know, have any complaining water complaining that it was all stale and everything. Yeah, and the colonel seemed quite reasonable, but maybe it was because a kid accidentally died on his watch that he was like, all well, right, you've got till dawn now. No, I think it was, they said, not the president, but someone. The like, governor. The governor, the governor yeah, yeah, yeah. Was actually saying, like, so he, if it had been under the colonel, I think he would have held out longer, but mm. the governor was like, we need action now. So, yeah, that's why. Lousy suits, you know. Yeah, bloody suits. I don't know how 
that's what townies. it's like to be a fucking military man. Yeah, he's just a souped up townie, the governor. Like, what would he know? <laughs> well, Morland has obviously lost resolve at this point. So he talks yeah. about with Dwight and he's like talking about cute little kid and how he was so scared in his first week, but then he became like one of the best little soldiers there. Yeah. Like he was really strong and brave and everything. And yeah. it'd take a pretty hardened soul to be like, well, just keep going. Just keep going. Yeah. Just saw a boy murder, but you know. That's right. He he was, um, Dwyer comes in on him watching a video of the general talking mm. about like, you know, I believe in this and that and this school embodies this in young soldiers and everything. And yeah, I think he's, the wheels are going in his head and the young kid just dying as well. It was a good scene for Morlin because up until this point, you're like, this guy's just not backing down. And for like, frankly, the dumbest reasons or he just can't read the room and it finally clicks and he's not a very likable character but in this moment when like you said he's talking about the kid it was quite a good bit of acting as well talking about how the kid was um you know scared in his first week but then he turned out to be a great soldier and now he's dead and everything and for what kind of yeah. yeah and they have and they have both have a big cry which is you know Quite moving. Yeah, Sean Penn's not a bad crier in yeah. this first one. They're obviously going to surrender. So when Dawn comes, although, like, we've noticed, I'm like, this isn't Dawn, this is... It was easily, like, 8 o'clock or yeah. something. Like, I've seen Dawn <laughs> once and it didn't look anything like I've that. I've been up at Dawn because I'm going to an airport because that's the only t- reason why I'd be up at Dawn. And then when, by the time you get to the airport, that that was that time. Like, that was... Yeah. yeah. So they're, they're getting everyone to fall in. So everyone's all in their positions and he's like, everyone fall in, fall in. And everyone, like, a lot of them are like, fuck yes, and run down and they're all unarmed and they're walking through to surrender. But guess who's not with them? It's all Timothy Cruzel. Oh, yeah. So he is completely... Un- so he's a more safe fall in and he's like, absolutely Some of his red berets have yeah. left him as well. They were supposed to be Well, they all are. Loyal. Everyone yeah, was like... Yeah. At the end of the day, the whole thing is you always listen to your commanding officer. Like, yeah. so... You know, even if Tom Cruise had said, no, you stay here, they're like, well, he outranks you, so we have to follow what he's yeah, thinking. Exactly. So they all follow him, and, yeah, Timothy's like, absolutely fucking not. So he's in the corner, the closest, in the building closest to the where the tanks and everything are, and he just starts firing his gun at them because he's refusing to surrender. Yeah, straight at the colonel, too. And, yeah. And clips him. Yeah. Yeah. And just yeah, absolutely goes, goes mad shooting at the National Guard, and basically a full-on battle erupts. So they start shooting back, and... Yeah, Boys ducking for cover everywhere. And I think they all grab guns. So they're, they're shooting too. I don't know. No, no, the boys weren't shooting. Most of them had thrown down their guns, but they all run back inside the building. Yeah. Um, but by this stage, because Tomothy had set up a little, like, crow's nest for himself, he gets mm. on the that big machine gun. He yeah. starts going crazy as well, and he's taking down National Guardsmen left and yeah. right. like... like- Probably had tank piercing bullets in that. Like it was a big like m- minigun kind of yeah, yeah. situation. So Morland and Dwyer realize what you know Tom's doing, and they go and they look and they see him with this big gun, and he turns around like spit flying everywhere. It's like oh, yeah. it's beautiful, man. It's beautiful. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. He's having the time of his life. Been waiting all this time to finally get into the the action, even though this is like the dumbest war ever. Like, <laughs> all because they couldn't talk to the superintendent of the of the property development <laughs> the or body something. Corporate. Yeah, the body corporate but yeah tom cruise is going nuts and he's spit flying from his face he's doing that uh, sinister tom cruise you know he gets like the, yeah. the eyes down deep below his uh eyebrows and everything and yeah it was chilling yeah very chilling i'm glad they beefed up his role in this one because i don't yeah. know what what would that scene look like if it had been the original plan of tom cruise just being a minor character would we've even had as much would we as care yeah that would have been really stage? boring like who, was someone else meant to have been that yeah character? just some like lone wolf but this was good 
dude, because he, he had his own little clique and even they'd abandoned him at this stage. But I don't even think he was bitter about that. I think he was just so fired up. Yeah, he fight. was so trigger happy. Like, he was yeah. just ready to kill or be killed. And yeah. unfortunately, yeah, he's killed. So as Morland and Dwyer come up there and see that, Morland leaps in to try and, like, stop him. Because, obviously, as long as he's firing bullets, the National Guard are going to be firing bullets back. Mm. So he leaps in there to stop him, but... The tanker started firing and it shoots them both. And so when the colonel rushes up to see what's happened, he sees Dwyer sitting there holding his best friend, dead best friend in his arms, crying, like sobbing his little eyes out. Yeah, the two boys are dead. So yeah. Dwyer carries Mullen out. I assume Tom Cruise has just been left there. Yeah, <laughs> I think they'd leave his corpse for a little bit. That's yeah. something, I think his corpse would be something the coroner deals with yeah. or, or something. Like he's not getting a heroic lifting <laughs> Carried out, out by his yeah. best friend. Yeah. yeah, no, definitely not. And yeah, it carries him out and it's... It's all very somber. And this next bit, I don't know. I don't know if I love how it worked. And I don't know if it, I can't remember it from the first time I watched it. But after you know, we see him getting Mullen being carried out by Dwyer, they then show the graduation scene again when it's yeah. all the characters. Is it only all the characters who died or were injured? Or? No, I think it was all the, it was it was everyone who was, I guess, what, what you consider, boy. yeah, one of, the, one of the lead boys. So the music and the fanfare comes back in of the marching band and it leads with Mullen. They do the kissing of the sword and staring mm-hmm. at the gen. Well, you get to see Tom Cruise do it again. Yeah, really uh, intensely. So Morland, Shaw, Pierce, that was Giancarlo yep. Esposito, wasn't it? Yeah, West. West, yeah. Um, Harry from Sex in the City. And then the Sean boys. Penn oh, Sean, yeah. on the horse. And then they would see, they focus on the little boys at the end. The little boys, yeah. yeah. I thought I, I liked that part. It was a bit um, It was a bit stand by me a little bit, like, you know, mm. just reflecting on happier times or like at the end of Predator where after this film of like action and horror, it cuts back to fun moments of the actors on set and freeze frames with their face it was a little bit like that but uh, less less um a little less jarring. <laughs> yeah yeah it was an odd choice but i liked it mm. and yeah that's the end of the movie just it started off being like hey being save a soldier's the, yeah. rules how, how about that army and war and then it's like oh how about Rexen, no you know? <laughs> yeah yeah Let's now talk about Tom Cruise-isms. Now, this isn't like a super Tom Cruise-heavy movie, even though he ends up being like, I guess he's kind of the villain yeah. in the movie, like one of his few villainous roles, but it's he's not in it a lot. So, And also, it's his second movie. So Tom Cruise-isms haven't really been established yet. Like, we don't get to see him, like, having a good Tom Cruise sprint anywhere. We don't see no. the big Tom Cruise cheesy grin or his clap. Or There was one part that reminded me uh, that we didn't touch on in the first episode that was mm. a bit of a flash of... Um, you know, Magnolia, Tom. Mm. So they're talking about the event where the kid got shot outside the dance, the townie, whether he deserved it or not, those dirty townies. But, um, <laughs> and yeah, the, the news lady's like, a uh, civilian was killed in an altercation and all the boys watching the news like, Wah! and Tom Cruise goes, I'd like to grab a grenade and ram it right up their asses or something. <laughs> yeah, but he right. says it with that like, Kind of like that cheeky Tom Cruise grin. Like, I think he's still trying to work out his acting chops. Like you said, it's his second film. Probably even his first, like, because doesn't he really have, like, one line yeah, in that other one? Yeah. The first one was just, like, a taste, and this is, like, first proper mm. acting role. So, yeah, that, that kind of thing was very Tom Cruise, like, that over overreaction kind of thing, I guess, would be his thing. And also, yeah. a Tom Cruiseism has been stuff with grenades, like, in Edge of Tomorrow, when he, he opens his hands and you see grenade pins. So, I'm going to count that as a Cruiseism, something That's to do with grenades. Yeah. yeah. But otherwise, yeah, nothing, like, stunts-wise... He probably didn't do 
any stunts because he didn't start doing his own stunts until closer to the 90s. Yeah, he didn't have the lust for it. Yeah. yeah. I think that's something you work into. Oh, I think he's, oh, what his early movies? I guess didn't have a lot of stunts. I'm just trying to think now. Legend? What do you have? He, he probably would really things, yeah. Yeah, twirling a sword around, but uh, yeah, that one would have been too. I know well, he did his own cocktail stunts in, in cocktail. He can still do them. Sure. I've watched things like yeah. James Corden things and he's st- fucking Tom Cruise is still. I'm like, come on. Some of us can't do it at all, let alone 30, <laughs> yeah. 40 years yeah. after learning it, for God's sake. Yeah, so not a lot of Tom, Cruise, Tom Cruise-isms, but there are a few. Like We're seeing Tom Cruise figuring himself out very early on. One thing I'll point out, not really Tom Cruise-ism or anything, I just can't get over his voice. Like... It's so, not even high pitch, but it's such a nasally kind of. Yeah, like it's recognisable as him, you're right, but it seemed like he went through two puberties. Yeah. He went through first puberty where he turned into something resembling a full-grown man, but he still has this like strange boyishness to him mm. that all of a sudden he goes through second puberty, what, in like the 90s or something, yeah. Mission Impossible, a bit early in Was that, it Scientology? And... Did Scientology make him to more of a man? I, th- <laughs> I think, yeah, the E-meter and his, uh, like he was able to expel the thetans that were <laughs> suppressing his growth. You know, they were always talking about suppressive people. There's yeah. suppressive energies as well, I imagine. I, I'm guessing <laughs> that were keeping him down. And thank God he found Elrond or vice versa. Actually, I don't even think Elrond was alive then. But thank God he found the program and the long Tom Cruise that we all know now with the deeper voice uh, has just come to the fore. Yep. Uh, well, I wouldn't be surprised. They're like, now nah, look, your voice is a bit annoying. We need to sort of fix it up and then you'll become the world's biggest star. And he's like, fucking I, it did and it worked. Yeah. He seems like that kind of person who would take, even if it's just a throwaway sort of uh, criticism, that would gnaw at him until yeah. he gets the problem done. <laughs> with a man who's learned how to fly all sorts of vehicles because they're like, mm. well, we might have this in the movies, like, no worries. So you got it. <laughs> give me two days and I'll have sorted it out somehow. Yeah. So, yeah, definitely, I think I'm going to assume that all of his uh, annoying nasally voice was fixed by Scientology. So, you know, we can criticize Scientology we want, but it gave us that at the very least. Exactly. Oh, so we theorize. <laughs> no, no, that's canon now. That's, oh, it's canon? Yeah, that's it's canon. canon. That's the, canon. The Scientology. Lengthened Tom Cruise, deepened his voice, and gave him a natural sense of piloting all types of vehicles. Kind of downloaded some knowledge into a Matrix yeah, style. Matrix style. Yeah. And also taught him how to groom his eyebrows. Yes, yeah. yes. Which, you know, I'm not, I wasn't mad about 80s eyebrows. That's probably coming back in now, having bushy eyebrows. But mm. yeah, it was definitely a look that had to be left in the 90s. Remember Brooke Shields and, oh, well, she's in that Endless Love movie. Like, Is nothing that but brows. Up next in a. That's coming up soon, yeah. Soon, yeah, cool. That's a, just that era where giant monobrows were just like, no worries, like that's that's your thing. Good on you. Yeah, if you own it, you own it. Yeah, can you imagine that now? Can you imagine those actors have been like, look at me, I'm the monobrow guy. I don't yeah. even think the ugliest actors would, like the Steve Buscemi's or anything, would have. I feel like someone like who's already a bit swarthy, like Adam Driver could just rock up with a monobrow one day and people would be like, okay, I, I like this. Actually, song. yeah, you're absolutely right, yeah. Swarth- yeah. I think the key is being swarthy kind of fellow. Yeah, you couldn't be Chris Hemsworth and just come in with like a blonde monobrow everyone and be like, this is the dumbest thing I've ever seen. Luke Hemsworth could do it. Little nugget. Yeah. <laughs> he can't set a foot wrong, honestly. <laughs> All right, time to review the movie now. This movie's a lot better than I think I expected it to be and even rewatching it again tonight. Yeah, I actually enjoy it more. Like, 
I would never have watched it otherwise. But yeah, I actually enjoy it more than I thought I would. It's still like the fact it's young Tom Cruise is a huge part of the appeal to me as well. And all the young famous boy actors, like if it was made now and even if I had the same actors, I would still be like, eh, I don't really care. But yeah, part of the appeal is there are all these young, young handsome boys doing their first little acting jobs, which is very cute. On that note, I'm going to rate it two and a half little buff boys out of five. Ooh, <laughs> that's not bad. It's not bad at all. Uh, what would you review it? I liked it too. I think it definitely had its flaws. The pacing was it was quite slow. It was mm. it was a slow film, very quiet as we talked about with the music and whatnot. But the biggest problem was that I feel like it didn't reveal itself till about halfway through the film, where you're like, oh, it's a, it's a film about this. And it, I don't think it was done in a good way, like, aha moment. It was more of a, oh, this is what they were trying to say with uh, the general character and, and his sort of, um, you know, Morland taking up the roles. Maybe I just missed it, but the tone of the first half of the film felt very much more like a, um, how are we going to save the rec centre, uh, even if we go to a bit extreme measures. And then it obviously evolved into the, the nightmare that mm. we discussed just before. But like you said, it was a joy to see all these young buff boys doing their thing. Dialogue was fine there were some good speeches in there that mm. you were like okay yep a lot of talk of honor a lot of salutes too many salutes honestly and they said the word honor way too many times that it lost all meaning uh <laughs> which maybe was the point overall i'm gonna give it the red sash <laughs> the red sash yes <laughs> that's amazing uh, the coveted red sash. Yeah, that- coveted. Not given often as well because my, my sash rating system isn't linear. Red is good. It's not great, but it also exists slightly to the left as well. Yeah, yeah. no. I get it. I can totally picture that. Wonderful. So if we're going to talk about recommending this movie to people, if you like military stuff, you might like it. But I think if you want to see some famous actors who were very young and innocent and very childlike and, you know, you want to see them shirtless having some showers, like definitely go watch this movie. If you're in Australia, it's now streaming on Disney Plus, I noticed. I watched it on my DVD that my friend Lauren uh, bought at an op shop for me, which was wonderful, completing my DVD of Tom Cruise collection. I, I don't know, I wouldn't recommend, like, wouldn't be like, everyone go watch, rush out and watch it immediately, but it's kind of, it's kind of interesting. And it's, yeah, I wouldn't recommend it. No. <laughs> like, the it was, it, it was a difficult film to watch because of its subject matter mm. not because of the way it was made could have been made a bit better as an amateur i'm saying that yeah but yeah it's just very confronting the ending with i think the, if yeah. anyone was like i want to watch something obscure i've never heard of that's got really famous actors but this and that they'll be like well there's taps as an option like so yeah for the gentleman who's seen everything you can recommend that to them to me, it seems like a film that, that would have been shown to me in high school as like a cautionary tale mm. sort of thing. We did get a few of those played, but not that one specifically. But it like, you know, I think remember being grade 10, watched like Scent of a Woman, like things where it's like, boys, this is like, you know, the ideals in life or whatever crap that they were trying to instill in us in, in private school. This seems like one of those films mm. where it's like, this is pretty great. We get to spend, you know, how, how long was the film? Like 90 two, minutes. Just over two hours, just, actually. Just yeah. over two two hours instead of doing maths. Yeah, I'm into this. Yeah. And I might take something away at the end about how, you know, you shouldn't instill all these misplaced ideals into someone. Because at the end of the day, it wasn't about the military so much. It was about their belief in the general who turned out to not be all he was cracked up to be. Bit of a bummer, hey. (laughs) Bit of a bummer, yeah. Yeah. Okay, well, that's just pretty much us for reviewing the movie. Where can we find you online, Bart? Just on Instagram, 8BitBart. 
8.bit.bart if you want to follow me, like some of the stuff, and then maybe that will convince me to do it again, even though that shouldn't be your prerogative. It should be mine. <laughs> hey, if a couple people go, hey, I like your art, you'd be like, oh, yeah, yeah cool, I'll, I'll do it. Maybe follow me and then unfollow me because I found that when I start to bleed followers, I'm like, oh, shit, better get them back. So, yeah, if you want to like and then unlike it, and I'll be like, I swear it said they, they liked it, but I can't see it anywhere. Uh, neg me. Neg me into doing more art, please. Well, uh, you can neg me into being better at podcasting by going to my social media, which is Tom Cruise Reviews on Instagram, Tom Cruise Review, no S on the end, on Twitter, and my website's TomCruiseReviews.com. If you want to rate, review, subscribe, and everything on your preferred podcast dealio, please do, because that is great. In the meantime, that's us for this week. We hope you enjoyed, and we'll catch you next time. Thank you, Cara. Thanks, guys. Bye. Bye.